0: This episode of From the Rooker is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. We play Manchester United away in two weeks, 14 days' time. Fancy Delafeu to heap more misery on Ollie. Oh, yes. Or will Egalo come back to haunt the Hornets? With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to build your own personalised bet. Bet Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Colin. Uh, good evening. And Kieran. Hello. Oh, actually, I'm going to Brigadier uh, <laughs> Colin, uh, you'll find out in a movie in about uh, a month's time. Um, yes, we've just left the Amex Stadium uh, where Watford have drawn 1-1. Uh, a team that has lost two games on the trot, a draw would seem like a positive thing. Uh, an early 15 minute goal from Ablo de Courre, the only bright spot for either team in the first half. well he, he got the ball after an interception from Kapo uh, ran with it and, and oh he curled it nicely into the corner. but then of course there was lots of pressure in the beginning of the second half, which led to in the end an own goal. From Adrian Mariapa Colin, you leave the Amex. We left the Amex in a couple of stadium, uh, a couple of times. Um, and a couple of years ago, it was an awful game. Surely this has got to be better. It, it, it's
1: slightly better. That was a, that was a bad game. It was the worst game of football I've seen in a long time. Decoro's only non-performance due to a suspension, and we yeah. lost one yeah, nil under Marco Silva. but fact, um, that was the. That was the time when we started to think maybe Marco's days were numbered. But this game, uh, you can look at it in a number of different ways. We certainly were under pressure for such long periods of the game. They passed the ball around well. They seemed to have more confidence than us, even when they went 1-0 down. So I think probably we've got away with the point here in, in terms of if you look at the two performances of the two teams, quality of Decoré's goal was the best bit of football of the whole day because actually... They didn't, they put pressure on us, but they didn't really create too many clear cut chances apart from one extraordinary wonder save from Foster in about the 80th minute. Uh, And their goal is one of those goals, and you drive the ball across the box. If the defender doesn't get a shout, sprinting back towards his own goal, he could have left it. There was no one there, there was no one behind him. he He didn't get a shout? He didn't get a shout, and he put his foot on it, and instead of it going wide, it it was quite a good finish, actually. <laughs> I've only a text message from my friend Dylan, the photographer, saying, hey, map's up front at the beginning of next week. Um, it, but uh, I, I can't help but feel disappointed. You know, it's another game. We were 1-0 up. We're leading. We led against Villa. We led, you know, very well against Everton. And, and, you know, we've dropped so many points from leading positions, and that's not good. And I think, I'm hoping that this uh, winter break, winter pause, um, has come at a good time for them where they can regroup Maybe it'll get a bit warmer, the weather will improve. Maybe they can train, have a few days off, come back, train, you know, hard and get ready for the next couple of games, which are very, very difficult games. And it's difficult to see us getting any points from those two, but you never know. You never know. If I think if we played this game at Christmas, we would have beaten Brighton today. Oh, God, yeah. But our form has slightly dropped off.
0: But here in the first half, um, I don't know, maybe I was giddy because we were one up. Um, and I sort of went to have a toilet break and um, met a couple of people on the way. And then both of them said... <sighs> terrible first half and now I look back at it I know it wasn't great and I know that was a very special moment it just seemed a a, a better Watford uh, the the maximum Watford could do at this point with the players we have available
2: yeah I I don't think it was a terrible first half I think sometimes you've got to give the opposition credit you know I think Graham Potter's come into this club and he's already earned himself a new contract this season, which is a an indicator of how much of an impact he's, he's made. And there's this misconception, isn't there, that with some English managers, I think this is the same with Chris Wilder at Sheffield United, that they want to play direct football. And actually they don't. Brighton play really nice stuff. And actually we didn't have an awful lot of the ball at all in the game, not just the first half, but the second half less so. Um, so I don't I actually thought what it did show in the first half and a little bit in the second is how organised and how good we can be off the ball. I think under Havi and maybe less so under Kike. Um, Watford were more possession orientated and what we're seeing at the moment is when you're down the bottom and you don't have a lot of the ball you've got to be very organised and you've got to try and keep the opposition out for as long as you can I actually thought we didn't do too bad um, it was when we had the ball that we were giving it away and, and that was a little bit frustrating
0: because I, I actually uh, noted down halfway through that second half Colin especially you know, when we started off it was like hang on, hang on we're not going to soak this up are we for, for 45 minutes it seemed like that was the plan but was it, was it boring was it terrible or was it disciplined
1: Well, it was a mixture of all three, I would say. Which one? It was pretty terrible. (laughs) It it, it was quite boring, but it was, in fact, disciplined. And I guess that's the positive, as Kieran's just said. You know, Kapu really seems to be in his element at the moment. I mean, he was just closing things down, going into tackles. Hughes was doing the same. Uh, But we were going further and further and further and further back. And they had the ball in our last third where they shouldn't have it a lot. We did well not to give away too many set pieces. We, we did well not to give away too many set pieces, too many fouls, too many corners. I think they only had two or three corners in the, in the game. They had a couple of free kicks around the box, but we defended those well. So yes, we were disciplined. I thought we might hang on, but it's very hard. We've seen it at Villa. It's very hard to hang on like that. And you know, the players get tired. They start to tire. He made his. I, I'm getting very confused about Nigel Pearson and his philosophy of substitutions. As we, as you said on the podcast last week uh, against Everton at home, he made some quite strange, sort of slightly chaotic substitutions. You weren't quite sure what the system was, what the shape was, and. It was just go and get a winner, go and get a winner, please. Uh, And of course, we conceded the last one. And then today, he didn't make a substitution really until like the 75th minute, I think it was.
0: A bit later than that. I think they scored on the 80. Um, The 82nd minute, I think, uh, Percetto came on. And 86th minute is when uh, Welbeck came on. So so what you would consider to be a bit late so I, you know he had Chalabar on
1: the bench I, I mean we don't know the state of Chalabar's uh, injury uh, situation but you know what we could have done with was someone like that to come into our midfield maybe instead of Decore and just to, to help out if, that's, if we were going to soak it up and try and win this 1-0 we needed legs in the middle and what he did was he, he took off Pereira and played Perceto actually Perceto did, did well I, I think that he deserves a start Pereira looks like he just doesn't look like anything like the player he has been or
0: could be. So it was. But would you say though that that, that was a debate that we had last week? And the, the, the idea of Passetto coming on, he, he wasn't ready. He didn't seem to be ready or show anything to be ready. My question to you about Pereira this week is: we know exactly what he can be. Did he show anything that actually go? Are you just filling in until Zah comes back? We know it. You know it.
1: Yeah. That's exactly how it felt. And I thought that when Pissetto came on, he didn't look like that. He was tracking back, he was helping out Mariapo, he was, he was closing players down. He, he, did, he did a couple of uh, really lovely little things where he nicked the ball off a player and it looks like it's going out for a throw, but he gets to it, keeps it in, passes it back inside. And you know, he, he looks like a dynamic sort of player, much more dynamic than Pereira. Obviously, he hasn't got the quality of Pereira. Pereira, we know, what, what we know the quality that he has. But it, in a fight... <laughs> When you're one 0 out with ten minutes to go, you need players that are going to fight, and and that's not Pereira's game really, and and uh, so it was good to see. him I said, I do think he deserves to, to. We need to see more of him. You know, we brought him in. He's he's obviously got talent, and he's got energy, and he's fit, and he's and he's young, uh, and I would I'd like to see him get a, a start. But I suspect by the time we play Man United, Salah so will be will be ready to go, and and that will be. A nice sigh of relief for everybody to see him back in
0: the side. A sigh of relief. <laughs> Sorry. Kieran, you know, the players at started, start, we mentioned Pereira isn't really filling in there. Um, you know, the goal from Decore, Kapu being great, what, what do we miss? The fact that Chalabar wasn't playing.
2: I think Colin mentioned it. I think it's that, that player that is kind of it, he's prepared to kind of sit and, and be disciplined in in front of that back four. I mean, Dukes playing in that more advanced position. I said it to you during the game. I think if that's under Havi or or Kike, that goal isn't scored because Dukes is going to be further back, probably in front of the halfway line, as opposed to beyond it, where he picks the ball up and and charges forward with it. Uh, so I think you know having him in that advanced position is definitely something that we need to maintain and continue with. But in not having Chalabar, it's that security blanket, isn't it? I think we've all been impressed with how he's performed under Nigel Pearson. The problem that he's got is that he can't complete... Ninety minutes. Uh, I, I, like Colin, I'm not sure why they didn't bring him on. I think we, when you're playing that sort of game, especially in that second half where we had to soak up so much pressure, he would have been the extra pair of legs that I would have liked in in midfield. But I think the other problem that we had, the importance of pace in this league was highlighted more so than anything in that second half because when you are soaking up so much pressure, you know, if we'd had Ismailius, I think I'm almost certain we would have gone on to get a second. I know that's a, 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 quite a bold statement, but <laughs> we just couldn't. We couldn't break. You know, you're soaking up all that pressure and when we did get the ball, it was being lumped up or, or we were looking at Jerry and, and you every time it became predictable when you've got that option of SAR on the right you then can go either side and, and we just couldn't counter with any kind of pace and uh you know not having Chalabar in the middle as well as I say I think it was that security blanket missing that we needed in that second half.
0: But the man who replaced him Cullen was one William Hughes who before he injured you weren't even thinking about Nathaniel Chalabar, but he came on today, he started today. He's a very different sort
1: of player from Chalabar, and, and it's hard to explain what that difference is because they come in and play alongside Kapu and they play in a very similar position. But what Hughes is, is um, as I've used this phrase before, he's a bit of a will-o'-the-wisp. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he likes to buzz around, whereas Chalabar tends to, to, to be more solid and sit and, and sort of dominate physically the opposition, whereas Will is, Will is more like Barami. Very like Barami, I think, snapping into tackles, winning the ball. Then he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. And um, but he he really impressed me today. I thought he was our best player actually throughout the game. I thought he was consistently. the player that was keeping us in it, winning balls, and uh, and looking to get it forward to Decore. And I, I'm I'm like here, and I, I there's no way to score that goal on Kike because he'd have been sitting in his, on his own 18 yard line next to Capu, and and that has been a real plus for us with Nigel Pearson having a player like Decore that can overlap Dini and get in front of Dini and they can swap places. And I'm not, but um, I thought I thought Will Hughes came back with a you know he looked like I lost my place because of injury. I've got a chance to get it back and I'm not going to miss this chance. I don't want Chalabar to play against Manchester United. I I want to be in that position.
0: But he didn't play stupidly, rashly. He was controlled enough. But like you say, we we have choices in, in this position to sit alongside Kapu. Is it a matter of now saying, well, we're going to be playing Manchester United, so we need this, we're going to play Crystal Palace, so we're going to play this one?
1: Um, well I think he has got options but again I go back to this thing about the substitutions I I found today's substitutions like overly cautious um, whereas maybe that was a reaction to being a bit uh, too gung ho against Everton, and it, actually, what was weird about the last ten minutes of this match, or the last fifteen minutes, because there was five minutes of injury time, due mostly to Ben Foster and, and his incredibly snail-like performance as a goalkeeper. It takes him forever to take a. I mean, I mean, I, I quite like it. The opposing fans can't stand it, um, and he just he just always pushes up against the line, and the refs that like, I should book him, but I can't really book him for that one, and I always oh, just taking it you with know, winner Anyway, so we had fifteen minutes, and it seemed like neither team really knew yeah. what to do. Brighton's the Brighton fans were screaming at their players to get forward and try and get the winner. Uh, and they were kind of half doing it, but they were leaving men back and they were worried about getting hit on the break. We were a bit the same. We, we were a little bit more leaning towards we'll take a point, thank you very much. But the, they were also. So the last 15 minutes was very cat and mouse. And if a chance came up, maybe, you know, but it looked from quite a long way out there was a good chance it would
0: end in end one all. Kieran, the desire for the Brighton fans to go forward. You know, they, they had that energy of having the, the second goal, Yeah, you know, the the, the equalising goal we you know we lost our energy at that point because um, we could, it felt like it was coming just annoying that we gave it to them we didn't really show that we were going to go forward and we didn't even show it when Welbeck came on do you really think that the tactic had been we're one up, let's keep that and we might, if we want to try a little bit, go for two we, we never at one point felt like we were going for a second
2: I think that probably the message before the game was we don't want three defeats in a, in a row uh, I think at one nil, we didn't really an off, offer an awful lot going forward, and at one all, again we didn't offer anything going forward. I think uh, the body language and this sort of desire to to go and you know run and get the ball for a throw in, for example, there were players strolling over to take throw ins, and obviously Collins mentioned it and you've mentioned it. The Ben Foster kind of at the end sort of falling on the ball when a cross had gone into the box and you know there's a frustration on my part on that because look it's a point gained I don't deny that but we're running out (coughs) of games you know and one of the things that we talked about and we had a really poor start to the year we know that the second half of the season needs to be better we can't have the, the second half of the season that we've had in the previous Premier League years every point counts for us now we're playing catch-up and when I see Ben Foster falling on the ball in the last minute and I see very little desire to kind of keep the ball moving um, in those last five minutes there was literally a resignation of we're going to settle for what we've got and my concern is that as I said we're running out of games we've still got some top teams to play we're running our points to play for.
0: In a week where there are not many Premier League games, uh, we now sit ourselves on 24 points, 14 points off the, what would be the normal safety of 38 points. That's either going to be five wins or four wins and two draws. You know, we, we, you know, we talked already about the fact that this was uh, not another loss and it wasn't a loss for Brighton as well. Is that, is that Nigel, maybe not controlling a game, but controlling... The narrative for his players uh, for the rest of this season.
1: Well, I think Kieran's got it right. I think the main thing was not to have another defeat. We've had to stop the rot, get a point, have a break, and then re- reassess. Uh, we've got some very big games at home. We've got game, winnable games at home. I think we've got Norwich at home. We've got um, Newcastle at home. I think We've got West
0: Ham at home. Well, the, the rest of the the rest of the know. season. Look, we've got you know, first season looks like we've got five against the big six man united away liverpool home chelsea away man city at home Arsenal away one against leicester at home who are high up in the league but then the other six it's palace away burnley away southampton at home norwich at home newcastle at home and west ham away i mean, you know when you look at that and i say we need four wins and two draws I know it's, it's hard to look at it at this point after losing. Oh, sorry, I'm losing. It feels like a loss, but we drew. Yeah. It feels like that's a, a, a mountain. I'm just seeing a little bit, maybe it's a, a hill.
1: I, I, think, I think there's, you know, over Christmas, we, over, since he, when he came in after the Liverpool game, which we lost, we had four wins and two draws. So we've just got to do that again. And if we do that, we'll be on 38 points. And I, I still think, and I know some people will think I'm completely mad, but if you take uh, if you look at Villa and West Ham, Norwich, uh, and and I would say this lot, Brighton, and and let's throw Bournemouth in there as well, I think we've got the best quality squad, and I think we've got probably the manager with the kind of. Uh, the temperament House. and nous to get us out of it. So I think we've got a really good chance of staying up. I don't think, apart from Southampton, no one has really pulled away. Palace got battered again today, so they're only on 30 points. If they keep losing, they'll start to panic and get drawn. We've got to play them, and that'll be another big game. I mean, every game's going to be big from now on. But I don't buy this thing about the five, big, the big six teams. I don't buy it because I'll tell you why. Chelsea are having a very poor run under Frank and there's a lot of rumblings at that club. He was was annoyed that they didn't get any players in. They've started to lose games. If you look at Arsenal, Arsenal are on 30 points. That's not a big six team whatsoever. They're actually in, I think, 11th or 10th or something like that but they're on the same amount of points as Palace. They're not pushing for the top. They're not even pushing for Europa League. So away at the Emirates, away at Chelsea will be more difficult. But those, I wouldn't say that the, the top six are really firing at the moment. And I think those are, the, those are games where we can play the sort of uh, football that we're playing at the moment and we can possibly get things. I, I don't think that, I mean, I think United are poor at the moment. They, they're lacking confidence. They haven't. They've just got Igalo, but yeah. they haven't really got a goal scorer. They haven't dominated teams. They got battered by Burnley at Old Trafford for the first time since 1957 or something. They're, they, you know, they're vulnerable as well. And if we put on a decent performance like we did over Christmas against Wolves, or uh, or even the performance we played when we played at home against Spurs, if we play like that, we've got a chance of getting a point or even three from those games. So I don't think we should look too negatively. But then, then just to put some context on it, you you look at the performance today and you think, if we play like that, you know, we are really going to struggle. We need to to get back to the level that we were at over Christmas and whether we can do that, whether there's enough confidence and belief in that group, I don't know, but that's what we have to do if we're going to get out of it and uh, we'll have to wait and see, but today's performance
2: was poor. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end.
0: Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo and this is our feature... Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing?
2: Good.
1: Thank you very much for joining us. Now uh, we're speaking on Sunday, the day after Watford's slightly disappointing one-all draw with Brighton and Hove Albion. Obviously, Brighton's goal coming from a Adrian Mary own goal. Now you're playing in a team each week. You're having to support your teammates and uh, and be a good be a good teammate and sportsman. What would you say? To Adrian Mariappa to cheer him up today after his, uh, after his indiscretion yesterday
2: Well
0: It wasn't his fault Because Mario was right behind him And Foster was the other side of the goal Because if he left it Mario would have just smashed it in uh, So I would say It's not your fault You probably made the right choice to do it actually
1: Good man, very very positive and how are you feeling about Watford? I you know you were very disappointed yesterday when the, when the goal went in and it was a draw. Do you feel a bit more, bit more positive this morning, having had a sleep? Yeah. Good lad. All right, Arlo, well, listen, thank you very much for
0: joining us. Bye. Thank you very much, everyone who listened to our inaugural end of the week podcast that we're going to do every week is a preview podcast with Adam Leventhal the Athletics correspondent we're part of the Athletics podcast network now and if you would like to subscribe to that network and get an ad free version of this podcast you need to go to theathletic.com forward slash end you get loads of stuff about Watford stuff that adam's written these podcasts with their ads plus a huge depth of writing from their team of journalists including, including kieran kieran you are the the ladies correspondent is that right yeah women's football writer for the athletic Signed in august some great stuff and insight into to that and it, it, it's, a, it's a good read so please go have a look again okay, seven day trial uh, and of course subscribe via theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend. Um, but we mentioned on that podcast, uh, the podcast was called to, Pere- uh, to Pen Your Hand In The Ball. Um, we don't know what that is, um, but we want to know what that is. To verbalise a player. Um, you go know, you can deenie a penalty, uh, which basically means to, to welly it down the middle. Colin, what other players can we verbalise? He absolutely kapooed it. <laughs> and I'll tell, you what
1: what? That, I'll tell you what that is. That is uh, a crossfield pass, hits about hip high, with absolute flat trajectory, with perfect accuracy, straight into the left winger from the right side of the pitch, with seemingly no effort, incredibly languid,
0: and that is to capoe it. <laughs> <laughs> what would, though, let's be a bit negative with this,
2: what would uh, an Andre, to Andre a through ball, Andre a through ball would be playing a through ball and hitting the striker on the back of the heels and not actually getting through to the striker <laughs> because um, maybe we'd want to well he didn't have a great game today to, to Pereira uh,
0: a tackle which basically means to not really try for it but actually this year maybe I'm being a bit harsh maybe he went a little bit better uh, and he is putting himself uh, into those tackles I've got one he queened it
1: <laughs> to get the ball outside the D to look up and smack it straight into the top corner he's done it three times I think at all his goals have been absolute uh, queeners <laughs>
0: um, let's see if we can get some more uh, soon in this season of course there's always a Cathcart cart clearance uh, and no nonsense but controlled hit into touch just to clear it from danger um, but that, they, that was inspired by the athletics uh, podcast football cliches uh, which you can download and uh, listen to uh, and they talked about the different ways of scoring a goal but what for players we need some better verbs Give me a verve for the rest of this season, Colin. Watford are going to do what this season?
1: Uh, They're going to nervous it.
2: (laughs) You're listening to From the Rookery End.
0: Colin, we've had a... When when things are good, we often see a little bit more about Watford in the media. Uh, And there was a lovely interview with Adam Messina...
1: Yeah, the thing I wanted to just bring up about that is that, uh, as Watford fans, we tend to see our players. We love them, we hate them, we uh, shout at them, we think they're no good or they're brilliant or whatever. And, and you know, we're quixotic as uh, as football fans. We change from one minute to the next. One minute is world class, next minute you never, should never wear a Watford shirt again. But what we don't really know very often is anything about the players that are playing for us, anything about their lives, their histories, particularly when, you know, the, the Premier League has got so many players from outside of the UK. So Adam Stena wrote was interviewed by The Guardian. And he told the story of his life, which was really quite an extraordinary story. Living in Bologna, uh, his parents were from Morocco. They, They went back to Morocco so that his mother could give birth to him. Uh, very sadly, his mother died five months after he was born. His father had, they went back to Italy, back to Bologna. His father had real problems with alcoholism. And uh, him and uh, Adam and his older brother were put into foster care and they were moved to a different family and a different family. And this is when he's like in his, you know, five, six, seven, eight, all the way through his teens. And eventually they, 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 they uh, find a family that, that really wants them, really likes them. They got on very well. Uh, but then the father uh, comes and they go back with the father obviously because that's what everyone wants to have happen if it can be a happy outcome but unfortunately the father ends up back um, drinking too much and getting you know not 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 having a good time not really being capable of looking after these boys and eventually Adam and his older brother go back to this family and they adopt them and he talks about them very much as if uh, in fact it was the father of that family that adopted him with his mother. So he refers to the, the woman as his grandmother and he refers to this chap as his father. And he also talks about how lucky he was. He was picked up by Bologna, he started playing, then they said, no, you're not good enough, so he had to go and play for some other team, then he eventually got rebought by Bologna. You know, he's had a very, very long journey, um, not just in a footballing sense or in an athletic sense, but also just in a family sense. I mean, that is not an ideal childhood for anybody, anywhere. And to have been through all of that and to come through it he's now got a girlfriend he's got a baby of his own he talked about what it meant to him to be a father having been really very poorly parented by his own dad and then really brilliantly parented by his his adopted dad and i just thought well you know we see them on a saturday they come into the team they play quite well or they don't and he he had a bit of a stuttering start in the team and now he's very much a fixture uh, and people are talking about him in in, uh, in you know in very positive terms but what, what we didn't know was just what this chap has been through and I think there's a thing going on at the moment which is uh... we had this with uh... and Kieran will know more about this but there's a female player whose surname is Flaherty and she came out and talked about how she got into a very poor state of depression when she was seventeen didn't have anyone to spoke uh, to speak to about it really or felt like she couldn't speak to anyone and eventually tried to take her own life and very fortunately didn't manage to do it and now uh, she's at West Ham, she's the captain of West Ham and, and, and doing really well but what's good about it and what's good about this Adam Messina uh, interview is that it's, in the, it's, it's, on, it's all over the, the internet it's not just in the Guardian, of course it all gets reported on these different websites and someone, somewhat for fan, who might see oh there's a thing about Adam Messina, might read it and think might be going through something very difficult, and 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 be able to empathise with him, and even maybe be inspired to, you know, to keep going when things are tough. And uh, so I think it's really important that players come out, and it's an incredibly frank and honest interview, uh, and I found it quite uh, emotional, but also quite inspiring. And I thought, well, good on you, good on you for doing that. And I sort of feel like I know him a bit better, uh, and and that creates a connection between you and the players that you watch There, they become three-dimensional rather than two-dimensional and I, I thought it was just uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good thing this week
0: yeah, we had actually a tweet this week from somebody who sort of said um, you know to, to leave off uh, Andre Gray in our discussions, it felt like I, I wasn't quite sure uh, if there was we need to leave off him or everyone needs to leave off him because uh, he's such a good bloke, and we saw some you know some film footage of him with the the Mayor of London uh, going to uh, a, a youth club in in Harrow, and and we you know we know these players on on a certain level, um, and we know them in terms of you know how they some of them maybe we know them and how they put themselves out there um and we make these belief don't we in them that we know them we know them very well you know, I've lucky enough to have met Troy a few times and I, I know them Troy I've met outside of it I see the same man on the pitch but you know they could be very very different people on and off the pitch Kieran, and you've been lucky enough to you know when previous jobs you've interviewed many of the the Watford players and you interview many ladies players uh, at, at this point <clears throat> there was a moment though today where Maps scored an own goal. And it's sort of like, we know him well enough to know that it's okay, Maps. And, and almost like you want to put your arm around him and not sort of have too much of a go at him.
2: Yeah, I, and, and I think, you know, as as football fans, we feel that because we've paid our money and we've gone through that turnstile, we have the divine right to behave in however we want. And it's not the case. Uh, look, there was, I mean, we, we were sat in front of someone who was giving Maps quite a lot of stick throughout the 90 minutes which was completely unfair um, look he may not have had his best game but um you know we were, we were we were winning at that point as well which was kind of the confusing thing but yeah look Collins absolutely hit the nail on the head um we we do need to take a step back sometimes you do get caught up in the emotion and ultimately you don't want to go to a football match and sit there on your hands and not get involved and not get excited about things and not you know throw a few expletives out there but i think ultimately you're right you've got to come back when the final whistle's done you've got to remember that these guys are the same as us the human beings and the the there was a few things in the week wasn't there um i know prince william and the yes. fa had a had a big campaign launch this week and i think andros townsend was saying that there's this belief that because we're really well paid that we sh- you know we should be treated in you know uh, i guess accordingly if you like and that's not the case. The amount of money that someone earns shouldn't be how you treat them. Um, and I know Troy was at that launch as well. So, he did by the way in that that thing did he
0: get knighted by uh, by William? Can he do that yet?
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe Troy.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. I know they had a big game of table football, so maybe if <laughs> maybe if Troy won that, he might get knighted. But uh, yeah, look. It's I think it's important that there's there's subjects like that. I mean, Colin mentioned. Gilly Flaherty I've known Gilly for 8-9 years and I had no idea about uh, the, 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 the attempt to take her own life and unfortunately there are um, probably situations where players have been in that in the past where they have tried to do that and you know, it is, it is important that we remember that these are human beings and uh, they're no different to us yes they're in a very privileged position to be on the field and be paid well but you know, the stick should only go so far
0: Luckily as I left the ground uh, this evening I walked past Hilda and I got a hug. <laughs> if any water fan has ever had a hill hug, you know what that is. And you know how good it can feel.
2: We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns.
0: So, a week off to rest, to hopefully figure out something different to be able to do Colin. If that different thing isn't just play Ishmael Lazar, is there anything else different you'd like them to be practising?
1: Yeah, I think, I think we've got Welbeck. I think, again... Delafay had a slightly indifferent game today. I thought he had a couple of good moments again, where there were opportunities for him to get the ball uh, into another player who was in a better position than him. He didn't take them. He, he shot a couple of times when he really, when Dini was wide open at one point, unmarked in the box, and he didn't find him and didn't really look for him. He wanted to shoot, and I don't mind that. That's, you do want your forward players to have a go. But, you know, if if Decore hadn't shot in the first half and tried to pass it out wide, we probably wouldn't have scored. So, you know, we want players to shoot, but there are times when he does drive you absolutely round the bend, because we can see what he could you know, we can see the opening and he just got his head down and he's like, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot. So uh, Welbeck is, uh, is seen by most people, and I'm not quite sure.
0: So Welbeck, is it about making room for him? Or is it about fitting him in?
1: I don't think you have to change the system. I, I think that Danny Welbeck has played almost his entire career as a left-sided forward player. He did. He played there for England under Southgate. He played there uh, in that position at Arsenal. He played in that position when he was at Manchester United. We have that position available. Because currently, uh, either Pereira or Delefeu plays on that left-hand side. And there's no reason why Danny Welbeck can't play there with Saar on the other side and and uh, Dini down the middle. Now, the thing about... Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just ditch De La Feu? well you asked me if, if there's anything we can do that's different <laughs> so what we but, can, oh wow ok so there's two things we can do we either do that or we go to a 4-4-2 and play him alongside Dini but the point is Danny Welbeck on form is one of, will be one of our best players because we only have to look at his, his history as a, as a player he's played at Manchester United last and he's played a lot of times England, and he's scored wherever he's been about one in three normally which from the wide position is good so if you want to change things up you want to change up personnel then is it better to keep the system the same 4-2-3-1 which we've been playing consistently which has been working pretty well for us in terms of scoring goals not so well (laughs) at the other end so if you want to keep the same system then you've got to put Welbeck out on the left or drop Dini and play him through the middle but I don't believe he's a number 9 Welbeck I think his pace hurts teams further out wide so that would mean dropping Pereira possibly or Delefay you could take Pereira out put Delefay on the other side and not play Saar but if you want to bring Saar in and everyone seems to want to bring it back as quickly as we can and you, but you want to get Welbeck in the side I would say keep the system the same and play him out on the left and I mean Delefay won't be happy about it but you know Pereira's not happy about being his understudy either so you know that, that's the thing about competition for places you've got three or four players that can play wide, only two of them can play. So if you want to do something different, that's a possible thing you can do that's different.
0: Question
2: I want to ask you, Kieran, should should we have done that today? Yes. I think so. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I do. I do. I think, um, as I said, the when you're going to play the way that we did, where you are going to soak up so much pressure, you need those players that are quick on the break. Now, we know that Danny Welbeck's probably lost a, a yard of pace because of the injuries that he's had, but, I would have much preferred to have had Welbeck and Feu, um available to us to be able to try and counter Brighton when they are up in our third of the field. And we just didn't have that. You know, Bobby, we know, is not one of those players that is quick and isn't going to, you know, charge forward 30, 40, 50 yards. And I, and I think having Danny there may well have helped us out. And I, I'm with Colin. Played Welbeck on the left. De La Feo on the right today, and and you know we didn't do that, but um, I would do that against the United if Sarr is not available.
0: Thank you very much for uh, listening to from the Rookery End. Uh, this is our weekend podcast where me, Mike, Jason, Kieran. Colin and Geordie might be gathering outside of Watford game or on a Sunday morning uh, to chat about what's happened during the weekend and the podcast we'll record on a Thursday out on a Thursday night ready for your Friday morning uh, will be our preview podcast which we will do alongside Adam Leventhal the Watford correspondent from The Athletic thank you very much Kieran thank you for having me Thank you, Colin. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brigadier. What is the film What's the film called?
1: It's called Military Wives and it comes out in March and I play Brigadier (laughs) Groves.
0: And of course, you can catch everything Kieran uh, from the women's football uh, on The Athletic uh, by subscribing to athletic.com forward slash Rookery End. And we go off to Old Trafford after a weekend where our wives and girlfriends will tell us can you do this can you change the light bulbs can you help paint that wall you're a brave man she doesn't right? listen to the podcast come on you <laughs> on